Well, hey there, podcast listeners. It's Pastor Brian. And in this episode, we're covering a topic simply called The Pursuit. Now, before you listen to this podcast episode, I encourage you to go over to PursueGod.org forward slash go, and you'll see all of our brand new discipleship tracks. The track is called The Pursuit, and it's a 12-topic track that helps people go full circle in a pursuit of God. So this is great if you're trying to disciple somebody and you're not really sure how to help them get around the circle. Trust Jesus, eventually honor God, and then eventually go out and make disciples doing the same thing that you're doing. It. So that's what the pursuit is all about. It's a 12-topic discipleship track. There's a just a generic version of it. There's a pursuit for men, for women, for couples. There's plenty on there at PursueGod.org slash go. And the first topic is just simply called the pursuit. It's sort of an introductory topic, introducing the circle, helping people to understand that God is pursuing them. It's not just their pursuit of God, but that God actually wants a relationship with people. So that's topic number one in the 12 topic discipleship track. So I talked about that one this week with my fighter pilot group. It was a great conversation. And I encourage you as you listen into it, think about your own pursuit of God and how God has pursued you, but also think about who you can start a discipleship track with in your life so that you can go out and start making disciples. Enjoy the podcast, and I hope that it inspires you to go out and help somebody pursue God. I thought a good question to start with might be where where are you on that? Where would you place yourself on the circle? You know, those three arrows. Maybe we can scroll down to that. It's at the bottom of this page here. Where would you where would you put yourself if if you're if you're willing to share? This is a good question. Where are you in your pursuit of God? I think it's a good one always to be asking. Where are you right now? I think for me, um, I'm doing my best uh, to be in arrow three, but there are a couple like, for lack of a better term, hanging chads for me where I still really struggle in uh, arrow two. So like working on myself when it comes to arrow two, but then trying to mature to get, you know, fully into arrow three. Yeah, I'd say the same thing. Um, I would say if I'm looking at the circle, honestly, I think I'm right in between honoring God and helping others. Mm. Um, I, I think I fall back into arrow two. My desire to help others and, and what I'm really working on right now just in my life is truly seeing others with, with God's eyes, mm. truly having that, that love for people that are hard to love. Um, and for me, that's usually people closest to me, you know, some family members, uh, things like that, where I've been wrong before truly getting past some of those barriers. Um, and then just, you know, especially for us, it's think about praying for our enemy, praying for those that we, we know are far from God that are just what you consider a disgusting person. Uh, just seeing them with the loving, compassion, compassion eyes that Christ has for us. So that's where I'm at. That's where I'm struggling right now. It's it's easy for me to love people that are nice, 
it's just mm-hmm. hard for me to see people uh, that maybe not not ag- agreeable with me. If that makes sense. Hmm. I think for uh, it's it's just amazing to see how God moves in our lives, and and right now God is is uh, pushing me out of my comfort zone into hmm. that into that area where I can help others. And, you know, I think it, the enemy wants to make you feel like you're not ready or you're not equipped. And it's amazing that this study and and then, you know, if we wind up, you know, doing more with this individually, once we kind of get trained up in it. And uh, we also do Brian. In fact, I started to type you an email. I got to finish it and send it to you. I've got a, a question. Um, we do this, uh, my wife and I co-lead a, a small group called a freedom group. And, um, it's, uh, sorry, I'm getting yelled at cause I'm being too loud. Apparently, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, it's, um, so here's our, I just grabbed this. This is, this is our church's, uh, you guys see this it's very similar. Cool. Is no that God, freedom discover purpose yep and and make make a difference difference. cool that's kind of that's kind of how we it's very similar to this circle um so yeah that's true that's a good point yeah so we do a freedom conference where Hmm. basically um you know it's for it's for people that are believers but they have a lot of baggage basically and things that are holding them back Hmm. and um you know understanding that you're you're completely forgiven and, and god looks at you you know, as, as he does Jesus, you're pure and sinless and spotless, blameless, whatever. And, and, you know, to set all that baggage down, don't let it hold you back. There's other things, anger and um, fear. And, you know, there's a lot of components of, of this small group that we kind of unpack. But anyway, um, the point of what I was getting into is uh, we do a freedom conference at the end of it where um, you have, um, you have, uh, a bunch of people going to this conference and they, you pray with them individually and well, there's, there's participants and then there's people that are intercessors and they're kind of praying over the whole thing. And then there's prayer line people and the prayer line people, you're, you're literally praying with people you don't know and kind of one by one, they, they come up to you and you're, you're trying to, you know, help them out with all this stuff. And I, you know, I've prayed with a lot of, people that I know, but I haven't prayed with too many people I don't know at all. So uh, I was signed up to be an intercessor and um, one of the guys is pushing me, you know, out of my comfort zone again, but coincident with this that we've been doing here, wanting me to be on the prayer line and, and mm-hmm. saying, I am equipped and like, Hey, you'd be great at it. And I'm like, man, okay, if you say so. So it's just cool. So anyway, all that to say, yeah, definitely trying to get into this helping others uh, part for me. So Pinto, can I ask when you, when you, is there anything after the weekend or the freedom weekend or whatever you call it? Is there anything besides prayer? Like, is there a follow-up opportunity for your team then? Yeah. So we, we meet, it's a, it's a 12 week semester and we meet every Monday and, um, you know, go through these different topics. And then the the semester culminates with the freedom conference where people really, Hmm. 
really experienced some life change. It's really powerful. I mean, the Holy Spirit's just in the room and it's amazing, but that's cool. At the, so that, that's a two day deal. It's like a Friday night and then a Saturday till about four o'clock. Hmm. And then, um, and then we meet the, the small group meets one more time to kind of everybody, you know, tell their, their impressions and how it went. And, and you just see some, here's some amazing stuff. Wow. It's really powerful. So, but, uh, and, and I experienced it the same. I've, I've been a believer for many years when I went as a participant and really was impacted by it. So anyway, now to do that on the prayer line to be, you know, praying with a ton of people that I don't know will be, uh, but I know it's not me. It's the Holy spirit working mm-hmm. through me. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited, slightly nervous, but also confident in it because the Holy spirit's going to, going to do his work and it's not me. I love that. I think that's awesome. What we would, what we would do, what, if we were to do that at our church, I think we would leverage that then into discipling relationships. So yeah. That you can continue to walk with those people using mm-hmm. the topics from the site. Cause what, the reason we set the site up the way we did is we wanted to equip people to help someone kind of like almost on demand, you know, like you have a heart to help people, but you don't know what to say about pornography or you don't know what to say about yeah. a marriage issue or about a theological issue or whatever. So we're always just trying to add more and more content. We're finally at the point, as you can see with the military stuff, that we're getting specific now. Now we can really dive into demographics. Right? Well, and I might even use it because, you know, demographically, I don't know how you guys all feel, but when I'm, when I meet, and especially in a small group setting, when you, you see, you know, and we've done, this is our third freedom group now. Mm-hmm. We'll have people in their twenties and people in their seventies. And, mm-hmm. yeah. and I, I just attribute age to spiritual maturity for some reason, mm-hmm. but that is definitely not the case. Mm-hmm. And you find people that are in their sixties that, that are barely know anything and, and, and are really new to the faith and, um, and sometimes aren't saved at all, you know, and, Wow. But you do, but because this our, our small group semester is set up the way it is, you do get to know everybody very well. But then the semester ends, and you kind of you know you go separate ways. But there's been people that I've wanted to pour into more mm. that were so kind of green that you could you know then you could invite them to coffee or whatever and, and kind of go through go through this stuff. And I think you could help make make those disciples if there was some follow up, like you said. Yeah, and that's what the idea is behind a, a discipleship track is when you, if you've invested, if you've started investing in people, like what I've been doing with you guys, going over topics that were of interest to you, but when we kind of wanted <laughs> to get to the point where we wanted to be more uh, directional about it, more purposeful about it, like we don't want to just meet forever for the rest of our lives as a small group. I mean, that's fun, but that's not very missional. And so, when you're ready to get directional, that's why we put these discipleship tracks together because it'll kind of put us on the clock. We've got 12 weeks now to show, to do some warm up topics and show you how those work, to do some faith topics and talk about sin and Jesus and salvation, and then all the way around until finally you're talking about actually using a discipleship t- track in training. And so you'll, uh, you know, our intention is to is to you know spend. A, a dozen a dozen weeks kind of going through this track for real and it's partly to help us so that we can grow but then it's also partly a part of the training right so even as we're doing this first topic what I'd like for you guys to think about as you guys are all believers is just how would I how would I do this topic number one 
with someone who's not a believer? Or how would I do this with my freedom group, right? Would I ask the, you know, would you ask the question I just asked, where do you stand on the circle? Um, maybe that's a great question for your group, maybe not. Maybe that's a little too personal or something, right? But for me, I like that question. And for you guys, I feel like it's a fair question because um, it, it helps us do some self-assessment and, and it, then it helps us to think, wait, I want to keep going, you know, thud, I want to keep going. I want to go all the way around. And then I want you guys to think, I want my kids to go all the way around the circle. Yeah. Like a, what I love about this circle is it's a really simple framework to think about like holistic Christian faith. So it's not just about doctrine and, and faith. It's also about your lifestyle and your habits, but it's not just about your lifestyle and your habits. It's also about being on mission with Jesus. Mm -hmm. So someone else want to share kind of where they stand on that circle? Where would you put yourself? I'll, uh, I'll jump in. I would say um, for me, when I read the, when I read the descriptions there, we mature by helping others. I took the word mature as kind of a verb meaning, you know, it, obviously it's always a continual process. And so I kind of put myself there because I feel like I live to honor God, though it's not ever close to perfect. Mm -hmm. But, you know, as we, as we want to help others, kind of like, um, you were saying it's that desire to help others and that, you know, baby steps of helping others and how, you know, however that looks to you or, or whatever it is, your practices that, that's kind of where I feel like I live. You know, I'm, I'm not probably doing everything that I could, not even close, mm -hmm. you know, but at the same time, when I do take steps to help others, I feel like those are the places where I'm maturing. So I guess I put myself there, not because I feel like I've got it all figured out by any means, but because that's the, it's the maturity process that I think I'm pursuing not to play on the words, I guess, but, mm -hmm. um, so that, I guess that's where I am. If, uh, you know, if I was to give examples, we, I do a, a group of guys, group of what are now close friends come over on about a weekly basis. And they're all guys that I met that are parents of uh, other girls on my daughter's soccer team that I coach, hmm. uh, just basically to hang out with her. But we've built a relationship and now they come over and we go through a book of the Bible based on some video series or whatever, cool. you know, that kind of thing. So we we do that on a on a basis and i i kind of or on a, a regular basis but i kind of i push guys through that but it's more of a um you know i'm i'm probably the one that's been a christian the longest out of them but you know the maturity level thing that somebody already brought up is is a a big piece of where we're at you know we've got a mix of new believers and a mix of guys within four or five year uh christians and then you know i've been in a church my whole life but you know the maturity process was really slow early on and then you know picked up over the last four or five years so i would say you know where am i at in relation to them i don't know it's hard to say per se but so anyway that's kind of the way i took maturing by helping others and that's <clears throat> that's kind of why i put myself in that and do you notice jalen i think this is kind of what you're saying is that you're you you mature as you're helping you don't mature and get get it all figured out and then help yeah the maturity process happens as you're as you're putting yourself out there as you're trying to invest in these other people that's what that's what that's what 
allows you to mature in your faith. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think so for sure. Um, you know, inevitably one of the newer Christians will bring up something that I've never even thought about, you know, mm-hmm. ask a very direct or a very plain question that was obvious to him. And I'm like, that's a great freaking point. I have no idea. And, uh, and so, but at the same time, I've, you know, a couple of them, they're pretty smart dudes. One of them's a pharmacist and he's a challenging guy to have around because he's, he's like the newest believer and he's always asking really hard questions. Uh, but they're really good questions because they're, they're the ones that make us dig. And, Mm -hmm. you know, at the end of the day, we're all digging on, you know, what, what resources we have to, um, to find a a legitimate answer, you know, whether it's academic or historical or philosophical, whatever, but it's, um, he's, uh, he's good. So yeah, we definitely, you know, I, I've always separated the knowledge piece from the maturity piece because Mm -hmm. knowing the answers doesn't mean I'm applying them in in my life per se. Uh, which is why I say the maturity piece took a long time to develop for me kind of specifically, but the, um, you know, I can bring some knowledge because I've got some experience or I've been in the church, you know, like I said, my whole life, but um, certainly the maturity piece, as you said, you grow uh, from those experiences and from those conversations. So let me ask the question. If, if, if maturity isn't, mainly about knowledge and i agree with that then what would you say maturity is mainly about um i would probably reuse the word application um Mm. you know we talk about we live to honor god but what does that really mean good it means that i follow through with jesus commands uh, you know to put it simply i think and that's easier said than done 99 times out of 100 so Mm. it's you know it there's all kinds of philosophies that go behind that and conversations that I've had, you know, over the years that, that support that. But it's, I think it's, I think it literally, literally is the follow through um, that builds the maturity and, and out of that, I mean, the desire to help people, you know, I keep going back to that because I think mm-hmm. it's such a great phrase or a great point mm-hmm. is, is where that goes. And then the follow through just becomes natural, you know, as you grow mm-hmm. to a greater maturity level, I don't know, it's just kind of a, you know, I envision this intrinsic desire that I don't even really think about or actively, mm-hmm. you know, attempt to, to have. It's just kind of happens. Yeah. And the desire to help people in Thud's words is just, is love. Like you love, you know, Jesus said, love the Lord, your God with your heart, all your heart, your soul, your mind, and then love your neighbors yourself. So to me, that's the desire, the, the best expression of loving someone is you want to help them. And you want to help them in the most important area of their life, which is pursuing God, which I I like what Pinto said about this freedom, finding freedom. It's about experience. It's not about, it's not just about a religious thing or a spiritual thing. It's about finding freedom in every area of your life. So that includes spiritually and, and relationally and probably even financially and, you know, emotionally. I mean, all these different areas of your life, you find freedom, which is what Jesus came to give. And I, and I love what you said there because um, Jesus, the, the Great Commission, he said, go make disciples. And what did he say? Teach these new disciples to what? In Matthew 28, go make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and then teach these new disciples to. I don't remember off the top of my nugget, but, you know, more or less to, to follow and to, to make others again. So. Yes. He Be said, teach fishers of men. Is that right? No, he said, teach them to obey. Mm. 
And I think it's interesting because he didn't say go make disciples and teach them to learn. He didn't say teach them to study, teach them to know. He said teach them to obey. So learning and studying isn't bad. We need to know what the commandments are so that we can obey them, obviously. But we, uh, so many Christians define discipling as a program of, of information and doctrine and knowledge. But it's not. It, it's about obedience. It's not about knowledge. It's about obedience. It's about follow-through, to use your word. Mm. But Jesus' word is obedience. And so if you look at that circle again, you know, we start by trusting Jesus, and then we live to honor God in obedience to what he commanded us. And that's why people need people to help them, because they don't know. They, they need accountability, and they need someone to walk with them through, how do I be a better husband? How do I, how do I be in the military? You know, how do I honor God in the military? So it, that, second, that second leg is so much about following through on what you know is, is right, what God has called you to do. So, so important. You know, a, th a thought I just had about the third arrow, helping others in the maturity piece. It's a lot like, you know, all these guys, we all know different upgrades we go through as pilot, you know, in pilot training and then as F-16 or F-35 or whatever kind of pilot. You start out, when you get to your base, you do a mission qualification training, you get done with that. <laughs> and then you're kind of hanging out for a while as a wingman and then, you know, people recognizing you, hey, you're ready to be a flight lead. So you don't really feel ready, but you're, you're you know, your, I guess, peers and, and some superiors are like, oh, no, you're ready. So they throw you into this upgrade and you don't feel ready. And but you know what you are and you get through it and you learn so much more by going through it. And then you're done and you're a flight lead and it, it never stops. You know, then you kind of hang out there for a while and then you become an instructor pilot and you don't feel ready to go into that upgrade because you don't feel like you have all the knowledge that you, you need to have to be an instructor. But then they throw you into that upgrade and then you, you slug through it and you do well, you know, do okay. And, and you grow big time from it. And, and it's a very parallel kind of thing that just is just, you know, just occurred to me right now that I think, um, and cause I'm, I'm speaking because that's what's, held me back for a long time is just not feeling ready, not feeling mm. equipped mm. To, to help others and to, you know, like, oh, I don't, you know, I don't have half the Bible memorized, you know, so I can't, right. I can't. Right. I'm uh, not ready quite yet. You know, right. I, I just need a little bit more before I could really feel qualified. Right? That's it. And that's how I've been. And I've, I've suddenly, yeah. not suddenly, but over maybe the last year or so realized that I'm never going to feel completely ready if I just yes. wait. Uh, yes. There's always more to know and always more to grow. Didn't mean for that to rhyme, but. And, uh, and that's why that preposition is so important. It says we mature by helping others. It doesn't say we mature before helping others. That's right. Yeah, So you, exactly. you mature as you help others. You don't mature first and then help others. Yep. And, you, yeah. you step out and start helping someone else and you mature along the way as you Amen. go. Mm -hmm. And the same is true for our kids. And I've, saw, I've seen this in both of my kids. They both disciple people now. And their, their faith has grown so much because they're helping people, not because, not because I'm helping them anymore, but because they're helping someone else. And then they internalize their faith so much more. You know, and Pinto, I, sorry. Go ahead. No, Pinto, I feel the same way. You know, you know what, I never feel like I'm, uh, I guess I say, versed enough in the Bible you know, yeah. what if to someone says, 
ask, starts asking his questions, kind of like we started with this uh, whole series. <clears throat> but the truth was, I mean, recently revealed that, you know, to me that most of the first, the, the first disciples, they didn't have all the technology that we have today. They didn't have the Bibles. They didn't have that. They just lived their lives and they yeah. followed Jesus because they saw what Jesus did. They obeyed. And yeah. to me, that has completely changed, especially growing up in the Bible Belt. Mm. You know, you always go, want to dig deeper. We got to get deeper. We got to get deep in this, in the Bible. But that's not what the, the first disciples from Jesus did. They just mimicked him. Mm-hmm. And to me, that was just, I mean, the last couple of days has just blown me away. And so, Thug, would you yeah, say, I feel the same way. Would yeah. you say, Thud, that what you had said earlier about loving people, and I, I love that you're just your confession that you, you want to love people more. Would you say in your experience that when pe- the more people get sort of embedded in the church mm. and in church life and in churchy things like Bible studies and whatever, doctrine classes, catechism, whatever, would you say that that typically m- makes them come out on the other side loving people more? Oh, no. I, it went, unfortunately, um, again, that, that truth that I think has been revealed to me is that it's, you get very legalistic. You get very, um, I hate to say it, almost like the Pharisees. Mm. Uh, and, and, and that's what I shared earlier that uh, when we went out west – from growing up in Alabama and the Bible Belt to going to seeing how structured the church is here to going out West to seeing how much more dynamic it was. And then coming back, you see a lot of religion Mm. and not so much love. And that's, um, so for me, what I've seen a lot is a lot of the churches is we do. We, I think the churches here are still on the great commission to, for the pastor, for the pastor to lead people to Christ. Mm. And then he's going to teach about how we honor God, but we stop right there. Mm. And uh, so when you say loving others more, I, I think it actually, a lot of ways, depending on the church, depending on how the church is structured, I, a lot of times it's, it's, you get more into your little small group social event about digging deep into what, the scriptures say about the rapture or they say about whatever and they never get into truly loving others and sharing the gospel. So anyway. Yeah, that's good. And I think that's a temptation. Uh, I think what, what, what would you say for typical, for the typical American church Bible belt or whatever, how would they answer this question? We mature by blank by doing what, how would they define maturity in the typical church culture? By attending church and going to Sunday school. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and feeding off and enjoying the worship <clears throat> experience and feeding off what the pastor says. Mm. I, think, I think that's where, my opinion, a lot of the American church is stuck at. I would think a lot would say by, we mature by reading the word, mm. which is true, mm-hmm. but it's, there's more to it than that. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like a lot of folks... <clears throat> need to, you know, read more of the Bible, you know, get more of the word in you. And that's an awesome thing. Don't get me wrong, but, but, um, you know, it doesn't stop there. On, on average, how much do you think the early disciples read the Bible every week? 
They didn't have them, right? Right. Yeah, they had they had a Torah, but uh, then they were probably all locked up in the synagogues. That's right. Yeah, they didn't. No one even had a personal copy of the Torah. Not for fifteen hundred years. Hmm. The printing press wasn't. You know, books and I mean, you would have to be a, an extremely wealthy person to even have one book until until fifth. You know, what was it? Fifteen eighteen. Or, fifth, or right around, you know, 1490 something when Gutenberg created the printing, or invented the printing press. It wasn't until then that books were even available. Even then they were very, very expensive. So number one, they didn't have a Bible, even a Torah, they didn't have personal access to it. So how are you supposed to have your personal quiet time if you don't even have a Bible? You don't. Hmm. <laughs> not, not the way we define it, right? Right, right. Now I'm not saying we shouldn't, read the Bible every day and teach our kids to, absolutely we should. But I think it's easy to make it, it's easy to elevate the Bible to, to like a, the status of an idol almost. An idol is just something that God made that we, that we worship. That's what an idol is. You know, wood isn't bad, but when they carve an idol out of it, now it, something God made you you turn it into something it wasn't intended to be. And I think we can do that with even with our Bibles, sadly. I, I bet you Jesus wouldn't even hesitate to to say to the average Christian, I would rather that you never read your Bible and just start discipling somebody. Like if you have to pick between those two things, just stop reading your Bible and go disciple somebody. I bet you Jesus would say that. Now we don't have, thankfully, we don't have to choose between those two things. We can do both of those things. I think you would say, I'd rather you not go to another worship service. I would rather you not raise your hands at a worship service one more time. If it just would mean that you would start discipling somebody. Because he said, you worship me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. He says, what is, what is this trampling of my courts? You come in and, and you have the form of religion, but you reject and deny its power. And I think that is such a perfect description of the, of the church today is we have all these Christians who know so much. We know so much more doctrine than the early disciples did. So much more doctrine. We know, we know more about everything theologically. And nobody's actually being obedient to the Great Commission. So Brian, something you said last week uh, really got to me, which was, hey, are you studying apologetics to know more about the Bible? Or are you studying apologetics to be right the next time somebody like argues with you or not argues with you, debates mm -hmm. with you? And uh, that was kind of tough for me, A, because, you know, I kind of feel like that's how my dad is and sort of how he raised me. But then 12 years of a Christian education every single year and never once I don't think that discipleship was really brought up it was just no more no more no more you know like deep into revelation and mm. every single book of the Pentateuch and trying to trace back genealogies and mm. just a bunch of stuff that in the end just doesn't really matter that much and the whole reason was hey if anybody ever comes up to you you got to be more knowledgeable than them and out with them into proving that you're right so I don't know. When you, when you said that, I was sort of, um, you know, uh, that, that was how my church was growing up. It's certainly how my school was. It's kind of how my dad is still, you know, everything's a debate. You got to win 
which I like winning. But. And yet Jesus never debated. He ne- I mean, only maybe Pharisees, but he never debated anyone else. He always just taught them simple truths and loved them. You know, the Pharisees brought the, the adulterous woman before Jesus and they were, they were judging her. They were being all religious toward her and her actions. And, and he just loved her and he defended her and he, he was patient with her. But at the end of the day, he said, still said, go and sin no more. So it's not, it's not like we, we don't, there's not a payoff at the end. The, the payoff is still, we want to help people be obedient to what Jesus said. We want to help people live to honor God. At some point, we want to help people get to that. But before we do that, we have to help them understand what Jesus did for them in the first place, because otherwise it's just moralism. And then after we help them to be obedient to everything he commanded, we have to make sure that they know that one of the things he commanded was to go make disciples. So we should teach them to help someone else also. And that's why it's a circle. What are we helping them to do? When it says we mature by helping others, if you look at that picture of, of a disciple or of discipleship, what are what is it we're helping someone do? Arrow one and two. Yeah, which leads to arrow, arrow three. Arrow three. Yeah, because you know what? Somebody who was it, Pinto or somebody said, I I grow, I grew so much when somebody told me you could be the flight lead and they believed in me. And I stepped out and I did it. Could you imagine if the original flight lead in the Air Force was still the only guy who did it? Hmm. it you could, the Air Force wouldn't be around anymore. And yet that's how we run our churches. We let one guy in the church do all the ministry until he retires and then we hire someone else to step in and do all the ministry. That's not Jesus's conception at all. Mm-hmm. So he actually wants us, if you want to see your kids mature, the only way to see your kids mature i mean we've all said it now the only way to see your kids mature is to see to it that they disciple somebody Hmm. because you're otherwise you're you're keeping you're keeping them from truly internalizing their faith and maturing so it's not even enough to love someone enough to invest in them it's actually to love someone enough to invest in them until they invest in someone else and to see to it that they do it, to invest in them in such a way that they can invest in someone else. And that's why we put these discipleship tracks together, because it creates kind of a simple way um, to, for, for me to go through these topics with you. And as we do it, you're, not only am I investing in you and Alex is investing in you, but, but actually then you're saying, wow, I mean, week after week after week, hopefully you're even doing that. Right now, you're thinking, who can I do this with? Who can I do this one with? Because our goal is to make disciple makers, because that's what Jesus said. Brian, I have a question. Uh, yep. You know, I, I guess I was uh, silly in thinking that this may just be an apologetics course and uh, keep learning week after week. So I should not have been surprised that this is turning into a discipleship moment, Brian, because I've read your book and I've done another study before with you. And, and I think when we do, I think maybe some of the others, these other guys are figuring it out now, like I did mm. the first time we read that. What was that book called about the church in the Philippines? We Broke the Church. We Broke the Church. Yeah. Okay. Um, there you go. With, uh, yeah. When did you write that, Brian, by the way? 
I wrote it a couple of years ago, but just it just got published a couple months ago. Oh, good. No, not that. Yeah, that's your. Oh, so Wiki Church. Wiki Church. Wiki Church is the one written by the pastor in the Philippines. We broke the churches. Was my was my experience of all of that and how we came back and started changing things at Alpine. Yeah, man. So like, I mean, I feel like I witnessed kind of a change in your mission and goals and the way you conducted yourself and, and your discipleship and Bible studies and stuff. And um, in expressing that to me and I'm sure others, it kind of turned the light bulb on for myself mm. and probably now for other men in this group where dude, like sitting in your own house with, with your own Bible, it's not the way. And mm. it is um, to follow this great commission, what Jesus told us to go do before he left us um, is a big deal. And so I feel like for me, Arrow 3 is where I am at the moment mm. in leading small groups through our church. You know that it has made me mature. It has been cool to see other people get baptized in this last year and, mm. um, and see now those change. So my question to you is, when do you think, is, is there like, I'm, I'm tr what I'm trying to state here is, when is the appropriate time to kind of go from, hey, topics and this and learning to, all right, guys, the next, I guess, encouraging someone to go from arrow two to arrow three themselves. Cause it's not just us being disciples. It's finding others and making them disciples. You know, that analogy of all these bubbles taken off. If you just mm -hmm. do make one, you know, you affect this many people, but if we each make one and th those people each make one, then right. it blossoms exponentially. Yeah. And if we do it in a way, in a simple, reproducible way, that's, that's where it can really, so that's what you've seen in me, Chill, over the years, is I, I'm more, I hope you would think I, you would know I have the same heart for people, I love people, but I'm more strategic <laughs> now, because, because I want, I don't want to waste my life, like, I want to, I want this to be paid forward generations after I'm dead and gone, and so I wanted to make sure that I do it in a way that's flexible, but also that's reproducible. And that's why we built the tools the way we did and, and discipleship track. So the answer to your question is, I would say someone is ready. Some, well, even for you guys, you guys are ready. As long as you're, you would say that I'm at arrow two, you're ready. We're ready now to, to work toward arrow three. And, I, and my assessment over the last few weeks has been, yeah, you guys are there for sure. You have a heart for people in your squadron. That's why we started this group. And I love it. And so um, we wanted to make sure that we were being, we were, that there was some trajectory to this. That it wasn't just kind of like, oh, this is great. Thank you. That was great. And then it just peters out and there's no real movement, there, you know, right? There's no real, there's nothing measurable at the end of it. There is something very measurable at the end of it. At the end of this, you, my expectation is that you guys could do exactly what I'm doing with you with somebody else. That's my expectation. So you might not use the military track with your kids because they're not in the military, but you'll use the family one. You might not, or you might use the men's one with some men at church 
or you, you might team up with your wife and disciple a couple in your neighborhood using the couples track. And so um, I, I would just say just the main thing is you don't want to empower someone to do step three if you're not sure if they've done step one and two, right? So um, you want to make sure that they've trusted. Like if the answer to this question was, I don't even know what trusting Jesus is, then obviously you've got some other conversations to have first before you can even talk about empowering them to help the next person. Because what are they going to help the next person do? Become a moral person? We're not trying to spread moralism. We're trying to spread a relationship with Jesus Christ. So it starts with the step one. Um, but, but, you know, if you start discipling someone in your squadron who's far from God, you might, it might take six months to talk through topics that they're dealing with that has nothing to do with Jesus quite yet. And then when you feel like they're ready, you, you move into a discipleship track. And Alex, if you want to scroll up, you know, eventually you'll get to that, to that section, that faith section, which we will get to together in a few weeks, and where you're talking about sin, and then you're talking about the Messiah in topic five. And then finally, in top, you notice in a discipleship track, it's not till the sixth topic, at, at the very least, that you're at, you actually have laid the groundwork to talk with them about who Jesus is and making a response of faith to Jesus. And so if they've never done it, that's the, that's the chance to do it. And I'm not even going to rush you guys through that. Like, I want to make sure we work through this because Jesus said, many will say, Lord, Lord, didn't we do all these things in your name? And he's going to say, I never knew you. And it's not unusual for me to meet with a bunch of guys that grew up in a church and that they would, one of them would say, hey, I don't know if I've actually ever given my heart to Christ. I've gone to church my whole life. And I'm a good Baptist boy. But I, don't, I honestly don't know if I've ever actually res responded to the message of Jesus for myself and, and asked him to, to redeem me, to save me. And I don't overthink that. I say, let's do it now then, you know. And I want to do that topic six with you guys because I want you guys to experience that so that you can see, so that you feel more equipped to do it with the next person. I want my son to be comfortable going through topic six with, with a kid, a junior high kid in his discipleship group. So I don't want to rush through these topics. I really want to kind of work through these topics for our sake, but then also for the sake of training you guys as you think about helping other guys through the topics. Brian, how have you brought people? How do you, obviously it's depends on, on the relationship you have with, mm -hmm. with the person or persons, but like to get started with the whole thing, like, mm -hmm. you know, walking them through this with the warm up topics. I mean, how do you even, you know, how, do you have techniques on like, Hey, I think there's some content you'd really enjoy mm -hmm. or something. I mean, you know what I mean? To kind of get them to where they'll meet with you. Um, I, Can you give me an example? Because there's more than one answer to that. So give me an example of someone in your life that you might want to disciple at some point. Um, sure. Like we've, we've got some neighbors that, uh, that go to church, um, you know, that on Sunday and that's about it. And, mm. you know, I, I think they, I think the the husband, they're both sweet people. And the, the husband has a, he's very driven by his work. He travels a ton. Um, 
but you know, that big hearts, I don't know if they're saved, to be honest. I just don't know. I know they go to church and that's about all I know, but I, you know, he's got, he, he's, he can be a leader. I mean, he he is a leader in, you know, in in the company he works for, but Mm -hmm. he's got leadership qualities. I feel like if you refined kind of, you know, his faith and, and got him going with something like this, he could make a difference for, for God's kingdom, you know, and, um, yeah, somebody I'm interested in. So, so uh, for him, because of what you said, because he's, you said he's a church going person, he might be a Christian already. Mm-hmm. He would not be like put, put off by you saying, Hey, I've got this awesome track. This awesome, it's, it's called a discipleship track. There's 12 topics. I would, you know, I thought about who would I want to do this with? And for some reason, your name came to mind. Like, would you be yeah. interested in that? I would love, if you're interested, I'd love to go through this with you and we can go shoulder to shoulder in this and, and sharpen each other and grow each other. That yeah, might be how cool. I would approach that because that might not be weird. Right. Like that's, invite him into this experience together. You know, a partner kind of thing. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. I like it. Whereas, okay. whereas maybe someone in the squadron who's, who's agnostic or a skeptic, that's I wouldn't harder. even go to pursue God yet. I would do yeah. some military topics from flex talk or. Okay. You know, yeah. I'd do some topics about manhood or about whatever, just something that would, would, I would want to show him that I care about him on his yeah. terms. Yeah. That's first. good. And then, but eventually as you're doing that and you, and you earn the right to do it, then eventually when the, when the time is ready, we feel like you're close to actually being able to talk about faith then maybe, maybe pull out the military a discipleship track and say, Hey, let's do this for the next 12 weeks. You know? Yeah, that's good. Hey Pinto. I think one of the cool things is how baked in like this process that Brian has developed into our culture, you know, cause like how many times are people sharing stuff and just, Hey, check out this video, see what you think. So the way, the way I actually start is, is that. So, hmm. you know, I've tried to start a few, some of them have kind of come through, some of them haven't, but even with my small group, there are random guys who are like one dude is really struggling with finances. So mm-hmm. I just go, Hey dude, check out this video. When I see you this Sunday, I'd like to talk to you about it. Mm-hmm. And so it's almost like a social media post, you know, and to him it's transparent. Yeah. 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 You'll be surprised at how easy it is to get people to meet with you. Mm-hmm. If you're clear about what you're going to do, what people don't like is uncertainty. So if you're like, hey, let's just hang out and chat, you know. Yeah. They're going to be like, what's this about? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And you'll also be surprised how many young men are in your churches who don't have mentors. And I bet you you could go next week to a young man in your church or a couple of young men in your church and say, hey, do you have a mentor? And they'll say no. And you'll say, can I mentor you? And they'll say, yes, I'll, I'll give you money if they don't. Wow. I'm telling you, especially if they know what you do, you guys are fighter pilots, you guys have natural. I could, at this point, I could go to anyone in my church, any young man in my church because of my role, and I could invite them into a mentoring relationship and they would do it. And so leverage that, leverage that, you know, you guys are, you guys have earned the right to invest in people. But when you do it, do it with a purpose, do it with a plan, do it with a goal, with an end goal. Hmm. The end goal is that is for them to do it. That's the end goal. Yeah. 
let me, I just want to, I know we're almost out of time here, but I want to kind of go back to, um, I just want to at least ask one more question on, on that first pursuit topic. Did it, does it seem creepy <clears throat> to read that, that, what was it, Psalm 139? Does it seem creepy that God knew you from the womb? And that, or, or even just the, that talking point, which is that before you even thought about God, he was pursuing you. What, how does that make you feel? That, that, that's question one. And then question two is how would that make a skeptic in the Air Force feel? I mean, honestly, if, you, if you're asking the question straight up, it, does it feel creepy that God knew me from the womb? Um, I think given the background of experience in the church, I would say it's more comforting than creepy. I mean, knowing that it, it, just knowing that he's God, I mean, I don't know how to put it, but when I often get into a conversation about somebody that says, well, this particular thing I don't agree with or that you can't prove out of the Bible means that I don't buy into God. You know, the, the counterpoint for me is usually that, well, do you really think we're going to know everything about God or be able to prove everything about God? I mean, he's God for people. You know what I mean? It's, it, it's almost a, um, and it's kind of silly to think that we would be able to comprehend God, I guess. And so, when I think of the fact that he knew me from the womb or that he knew me beforehand, it just, it speaks to his, the fact that he is God, I guess. I don't know how to say if that's coming across clear, but mm -hmm. so. Is there a point in your recent path or at really any, any, any of your histories for any of you guys, is there a point in your life that you can point to and say, I can see that God was pursuing me there. This wasn't just me pursuing God. This was actually him pursuing me. Yeah, I think I can point to my time in Utah, actually, um, with hanging out with you. I, I wasn't looking for anything. And then you sort of, uh, you know, kind of took me under your wing. I would not have done I guess I think that that was, that was God kind of working through you to force me into action and like to start maturing a little bit, because I mm -hmm. think I would have been fat, dumb and happy continuing on the way I was for years and years and years. And mm -hmm. there were a lot of things that happened in Utah that forced me to reevaluate like my identity and it being solely based on a fighter pilot and on and on and on. But if, if that hadn't happened the way it was, I don't think that, you know, I'd be kind of doing what I am now. Mm. Wow. I had a, something that I think was definitely God's hand in it. So, um, Brian, you may be, you know, there's education benefits when, when you're in the military and, uh, there's something called the post nine 11 GI bill. And if you, uh, you can transfer, if you already have the, all the degrees you need, you can transfer those benefits to your dependents, but, or, you know, your wife or your kids, uh, but it incurs a, uh, four year commitment to do that. Mm. And so I, um, I, I started that process in 2010 and it's a cumbersome, a lot of paperwork, like most things in the government, it's complicated. 
and it's this uh, online thing that you, you go through and you submit it and there's multiple steps. And I thought I'd, I'd sealed the deal and, uh, and done that. So uh, fast forward to 2014, oh, sorry, 13, end of 13, I get an email from the Air Force Personnel Center that says, hey, back in 2010, you know, you started this process uh, to transfer your depend your education benefits to your dependents, you know, do you want to, do you want to finish this? And I was like, what, what the heck? You know, I thought I did this three years ago and, uh, and I'm like, yeah, I do, but I want to use my original date, you know, when I started this and they're like, no, 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 you have to, you, you didn't sign on the dotted line. So your clock didn't start. Wow. So I was like, well, forget it. I'm not going to sign on the dotted line cause I don't want to be, you know, committed for another four years. And then, um, and then some stuff happened out at Hill. And I, Brian, I don't know if we've ever talked about all this. Some of the guys know the story. And I'll tell you when I come out there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How about that? We'll have some coffee and I'll, uh, I'll tell you the, the story. Yeah. That God, God just really moved powerfully in my life and turned me around. And, uh, but the, the point is, I was like, okay, I'd, I'd, I'd really like to leave the active duty and go to the guard. But I think I've got this commitment. And because I signed this, this paperwork was my original thought. But about a week before this, this event happened that forced me into this decision I, is when I got the email that I'm, I'm basically a free agent and I didn't even realize I was a free agent. I thought I was committed for another couple of years. Hmm. And then I get this email that says, you, you, didn't, you didn't sign on the dotted line, so therefore you didn't transfer your benefits. Therefore, you do not have a active duty service commitment right now. And that allowed me to, to basically take the next step and, uh, and, you know, separate from the active duty, which took us here. And that's where God has really begun to do work in me is, is here. And, um, I, I just, so I see God pursuing me back then to kind of set up, mm. you know, something that would allow me to, to take a step out in faith and follow him later on, much later on. Mm. That's awesome. I, I think we have, I think we have, we all probably could spend a couple hours just talking about that just as we kind of go over. In fact, I encourage you to do this with your wives this week. Just say, hey, let's think about how God has pursued us, how God has moved in our marriage or in our family or before we even got married or whatever, you know, it's, it's kind of cool to s- reflect back on his divine providence, his sovereignty in our lives. And then, and then to think about it, now put on different goggles and think about it with the people around you at your squadron, that you might be the one that God is using. You might be part of that story for one of those guys in your squadron. And uh, to me, I think that is just such a compelling thing to think because God typically doesn't just show up in person anymore and disciple people or impact their lives in some visionary form. He, he typically, 99.999% of the time, he uses a, a follower of his. And that's how God pursues people. You know, that's how God goes after people. So be mindful of that. Just even as we go through this discipleship track is just God use me. I, I want you to use me um, to, to, impact the lot the life of someone else in my world 